Well, good morning. Happy Resurrection Day to you all. What a wonderful occasion to celebrate our risen Lord. Yeah, may we never lose the awe and wonder of how awesome our Savior is, that, he would, that we have a living hope, that uh, we can come to him who is alive and intercedes for us to find grace and help in time of need. What a merciful, awesome God. So, yes, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful day that you've made. I pray as the sun shines down upon us, we would look to Jesus, the light of the world, uh, that we would come out of darkness, that we would walk in the light, that we would receive you, that we would rejoice to proclaim you and to serve and follow you always because you are God and there is no other. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for your victory over death and Satan and hell and giving us a hope of eternal life through faith in you. And so we pray, Lord, as we open your word today, that you would minister your truth to our hearts, that we wouldn't be as those who grieve or sorrow without hope, but we would rest in our Savior, who is our living hope, who makes all things new. And we pray you would fill us with your spirit, that we might comprehend your word and walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll be in Luke 24, if you want to turn there. We'll get there in a moment. But about 2,000 years ago, the sun rose on the first day of the week, and the disciples of Jesus were mourning and grieving the loss of their Savior. And they're like, we thought this was going to be the Messiah, and now he's dead. Their world was shattered. His body was prepared and buried. His disciples were in shock, behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. And how can a dead man save anyone? And as they huddled behind those locked doors... Devastated by all that transpired, haunted by their own cowardice, and overwhelmed by personal loss, they were at odds of what to do. If only they remembered the word spoken to them by Jesus. As they had gone up to Jerusalem, Jesus said this, that the scripture must be fulfilled in Luke 18, 32. It says, for he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. So at the time when they're going up to Jerusalem, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and it was like he was speaking in riddles. They had no comprehension of what he was saying. It just went right over their heads. They couldn't understand what he meant, why he said what he said. And this is really true concerning all those that hear God's word. Unless he opens our eyes, unless he opens our hearts to understand, we will be without understanding. We'll be, we'll be in the dark like they were. They missed the promise of suffering and death and the hope of resurrection. They missed that. And this transformation from death to eternal life is the message of Easter, not just observed in Jesus, but in his disciples who were born again and through whom he did wonders. Now, early on Sunday morning, the first day of the week, the Bible says a small group of women went to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. And as they walked, they're like, how are we going to move that massive stone that's blocking the mouth of the tomb? And they didn't even talk about the Roman soldiers that were guarding it or the seal of Pontius Pilate, that if you break that seal, it means death. They weren't thinking about that. They were just like, how can we move that stone? And as they approach, they notice the stone is moved away and there's this gaping entrance. 
And they go inside, and Jesus is not there. All that's left is grave clothes. And suddenly they were addressed by angels who stood by them saying, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here but risen. Remember how he said to you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of men, be crucified, and rise again the third day. And it says, And they remembered his words. So they had this like, Oh yeah, he did say that. For three days, they had forgotten all about it. And the fact that they were going to the tomb shows that they were thinking, they, they weren't thinking based upon what Jesus had said. Later that day and in the 40 days that followed, Jesus appeared and spoke with and ate with his disciples who rejoiced over his resurrection. Now, later on that same Easter Sunday, Jesus appeared to his disciples. It said they were terrified because the doors are locked and suddenly Jesus is standing in the middle and says, peace unto you. They're like, whoa. He invited them to touch his body. He says, look, look at my hands. Touch me and see. Do you have any food here to confirm that he wasn't just an apparition or a spirit, but he was a physical person who was living and speaking with them. Now, crucifixion was something no one survived, including Jesus. No one survived that. But he showed them the marks of it that he had after his resurrection and showed that he is the son of God, that he's perfectly well. He's risen from the dead. He has power to forgive sins and give new life. And his disciples, they had great joy. Now, verse 45 of Luke 24, it says, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now Jesus, during his life, he miraculously healed people who were born blind. He enabled them to see instantly. And after his resurrection, he opened the understanding of his disciples who were spiritually blind to understand the truth of his life and his power. Now, these are people who grew up reading the scriptures. They were familiar with them. And they had read them. They had memorized them. But they didn't understand them. They needed Jesus to open their understanding so that they could go, oh, yeah, that actually makes sense. That is the way to live. Many people in the world, many who go to church, they are in this condition. They're exposed to the word of God. Perhaps they've even memorized passages, but they have closed minds and hearts because they have not been opened yet by Jesus. We'll see that this passage, it correlates with being born again by faith in Jesus. In John 20, verses 21 and 22, this is a a parallel passage. It says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The understanding, their eyes being opened, it correlates with them being born again, receiving the Holy Spirit. And it, it, it's a picture of like when God created Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life, made him a living soul. Well, now these disciples, they are born again with the Holy Spirit living in them who gives them understanding of his word and his truth and empowerment to follow him. And so this is, 
they were made new creations. This is more than just being revived like, like a lifesaver gives mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and then someone who is alive now and, uh, you know, they stop breathing, now they're breathing again. And we praise the Lord when that happens. But this was happening spiritually. They were spiritually dead, but now they're made alive. Their understanding is open. Now they're able to comprehend the scriptures and they're able to walk in light of them. They've been pardoned, forgiven, now given new life. And he pointed back to the Psalms and the prophets and everything that spoke of him previously. And he says, I needed to suffer and to die. And we wonder, like, why is suffering necessary? Couldn't there be another way? But God in his grace, he shows he is greater than our suffering. He allows us to endure it and to overcome it, even as Jesus did by his grace. John 3, 36 puts it very simply where Jesus says, repentance and remission of sins or pardon of sins, forgiveness of sins must be preached. It says, he who believes in the son is everlasting life. And he who does not believe the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So all have sinned. That's the bad news. But the good news is God is good. God loves us. Instead of facing eternal torment, which we deserve, he has made a way of salvation through faith in him. And this forgiveness, this eternal life is a free gift to those who repent and trust in Jesus and will be raised to new life even as Jesus is. So this repentance, this forgiveness of sins to be preached in all nations, Australia is included in this. And for a person to repent, they must first know that they've done wrong. And God's given us his law. We can know we've fallen short of his glory. And there's nothing we can do, no good we can do to atone for our wrongs or to reverse our wickedness before the Lord. It took Jesus and his shed blood to wash us clean. And by faith in him, we are counted as righteous by his grace. Repentance, it's sorrow for sin. It is a change of mind to agree with God and also a change of life to choose to cease sinning and to seek to do the things that please God. If you want to be born again today, repent and trust in Jesus as the son of God. That gift is on offer to all. And we say, he said, if you being evil give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him so we can have new life? And this is something to celebrate every day. So Jesus says, disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you be empowered from on high to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And now let's pick up in Luke 24, verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. So between verses 49 and 50, 40 days passed. And during that time, Jesus spoke to his disciples. He appeared with them. He was seen over by 500 people at one time. And as he's speaking to them near Bethany, he says he, he raised his hands and he blessed them. It's a bit of a throwback to the high priestly blessing in Numbers chapter 6. And suddenly, as they're conversing with Jesus, he just lifts off the ground and goes up into heaven. And they're like, what? What just happened? And Acts chapter 1, it describes the scene 
in verse 10, it says, And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus was taken up suddenly, unexpectedly, and we can expect him to return in the same way. Now think of the, the transformation here between the disciples. When he first met with them after his resurrection, they're behind locked doors for the fear of the Jews. They are scattered, frightened, sorrowful. But here it says they worshiped him. Though he wasn't physically with them, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were in the temple in a public place continually praising and blessing God. There was this marked change in the disciples because Jesus is risen. Jesus is alive. Now you might think that since Jesus has ascended to heaven, the best evidence of the resurrection is gone. But the world is no more poor for him going. We would think, well, the empty tomb, that, that's convincing. Those empty grave clothes, that was a good proof. But really, he has left us as proof that he is alive because he has made us new creations through faith in him. The spirit of God lives in us as believers. Once Jesus was teaching in a house, there was a paralyzed man lowered down to him. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And the, the Jewish rulers were there like, oh, who but God can forgive sins? They were offended. And Jesus said, so you know that I have power to forgive sins. I'm going to say to this paralyzed man, take up your bed and walk. And the man did. So someone who had no feeling, no strength, miraculously stands to their feet, takes up their bed, walks out of the house. And the people are like, wow, we've never seen anything like this before. But this showed that Jesus forgives sins, that Jesus is God. And this man was a living, breathing testimony of Christ's power to transform a life. So looking at this man, you're like, wow, not only is this paralyzed man walking, but Jesus is God. That was the connection that he was making. In the same way, the best evidence of Jesus' resurrection today, it's in his born-again disciples filled with the Holy Spirit because Jesus lives in us. He lives through us. It's not the empty tomb as much as the believer who is filled with the Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit, where he testifies of himself. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, and we see this play out. The disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. The risen Jesus Christ demonstrates his presence and power through them in miraculous ways, and we're just going to go through this passage in Acts 3, starting in verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. We read that the disciples were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Well, they're going up to the temple, their daily routine, and they pass a man that they had passed by many times. This man who was carried, he was lame from birth. That means that he, he was crippled, he wasn't able to walk, and he was a fixture there at the beautiful gate. You would always walk past this same fellow who was begging on your way to worship. And he expects to receive something from Peter and John, and he receives something better than money because suddenly he is offered healing through Jesus Christ. He says, you know, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He reaches out, the man takes him by the hand, immediately his ankles receive strength, and this man who's never walked a day in his life, he is jumping, he's walking, he is standing, he is praising God, leaping. He enters the temple with Peter and John, and everyone saw him. They go, hey, that's that guy. I wonder if he was faking it all this time. Like, I just gave him 20 bucks. And now he's walking and leaping. But no, they knew he was a crippled man. And they, they recognized something amazing, something miraculous has happened here today. Now, the spiritual change within Peter and John, it was as noticeable and miraculous as this lame man jumping to his feet. Because Peter went from denying Jesus three times to boldly proclaiming him to a stranger on the street. The disciples, after Jesus' death, they're hiding behind locked doors, afraid. But now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're joyful. They're praising God. They're doing these miracles in his name. And their spiritual deadness was once like that, those lame legs that hung limp, unable to support weight. But because they were new creations through faith in Jesus, having been born again, this new life opened to them. And even as that lame man was able to leap and to walk and to praise God, praise Jesus, so they did, faithfully. And we can also enter into this abundant life. Now, the religious leaders, the ones who killed Jesus, the same fellows, they were not happy when they heard him. They heard the name of Jesus. And so they brought Peter and John before them. And it says in Acts 3, verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. 
This great miracle is done. Peter's not taking credit for himself that he had done anything, but he says, it's Jesus Christ whom you crucified, who is risen from the dead. He did this. Jesus did this. He didn't point to the empty tomb. He showed this previously lame man who's now standing, who's leaping and praising God. There was, there was no medical procedure, no treatment, no natural process that could make this lame man whole, but Jesus could and he did because he is alive. He is risen. There's no cure for death, but Jesus has overcome it and he has brought salvation and abundant life through faith in him. Now the people, they were marveling over the miracle. They're, they're marveling over the man who is walking and leaping and praising God. But the religious leaders, who are they marveling over? Peter and John. They looked at Peter and John, they go, see how bold these guys are. Untrained, uneducated. These are fishermen from Galilee who are rightly dividing the word of truth, who are holding forth the words of Moses, holding the words of the scriptures forth. And they couldn't say anything about it because this notable miracle had been done. And they said, we know they've been with Jesus. What they didn't realize is that the spirit of the risen Christ was with them, in them, and helped them. They just thought, oh, they had, this, they, they had some training with Jesus. That's how they did this. But the reality was, it was inside. They were new creations. They had been born again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit as all of Christ's followers are. And Peter and John, they said, there's no other name under heaven whereby we can be saved. We must be saved. And Jesus is able to save to the uttermost all who come to him because he is alive. This salvation that's talked about, it's a salvation from something, but also salvation for something. It's salvation from sin, from death, from hell. And it's salvation for relationship with God, for his service, for his glory. So it's for him. Turning your Bibles to Philippians 3.20. Because this resurrection of Jesus, it's not just a, it, it is a crucial moment in the history of the world, but it also speaks of our future for all those who follow Jesus. So it's not just celebrating something that happened a long time ago. It's celebrating a reality that's in our lives today and our future that is sure because he is risen. Philippians 3, verse 20. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Christian, you know, you believe that God will give you a new body like Jesus' resurrected body someday. We look forward to that. Then believe he is able to transform your fleshly tendencies and worldly mindedness today. That our fears and our worries and our anxieties, our addictions, our health troubles, they can be all subdued by faith in Jesus. Because he has subdued all things unto himself. And so it's not just we look to the future that's rosy and, and lovely, 
but know that that day has come today through the resurrected Christ, our Savior who lives. We can be transformed. We can be free of the greed, the lust, the selfishness, the pride, and we can repent of our sins as the beloved children of God and stand fast. Now, the dead don't stand. We've been made alive, new creations through faith in Christ, so we can stand. And I love that verse uh, one, where he says, therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy, my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. He's like, you are loved. You are the children of God through faith in Christ. Stand, having done all to stand. We can do that because it's Jesus' strength in us. In our own strength, we cannot stand. But 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14, it says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. This is God's will for us, to be strong, to stand in the faith, to be bold and brave and strong and everything we do in love, just like our Savior who always did the will of the Father. And in his wisdom, God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. That lame man standing with Peter and John, it pointed to the power of Jesus to transform a life, that he is risen from the dead, and that we are new creations through faith in him. So may our lives leave no doubt whatsoever that Jesus is risen. That when someone says, he is risen, our life would say, he is risen indeed. He is risen, and he is at work in us. Blessed be our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, what a savior, what a king. Dominion and power belong to him both now and forever. Let's never lose the awe and wonder of the greatness of our God, and may we seek him. May we rejoice to follow him and celebrate his goodness now and forever. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Thank you for this illustration of a life changed through faith in Jesus. And I pray we would value the spiritual miracles that you do as much as the physical ones. We do desire, Lord, that those we know who are sick and struggling, they would be healed and that they would come to know Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would change us more into the image of Jesus, even as you did the disciples that though they were untrained and uneducated, they were bold, they spoke the truth, they walked in wisdom, they rejoiced believing that you are who you say you are, the Christ, the Son of the living God, whom we worship and obey. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we might stand, knowing we are beloved by you, that we are your special chosen children through whom your glory shines. And thank you, Lord, that you have given us these earthly vessels, these bodies that are corrupted, that are going the way of the earth, so that all the glory that comes through us will be yours now and forever, because you are glorious. You are majestic. We worship and praise you. And I pray that we would be filled with your joy. We'd be filled with your love. You are risen. And thank you that we live because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.